You know, there's a lot of things being said, and we need to be saying what God is saying about us, about our family, about our children, about situations and circumstances. The word prevails where the word is spoken. Amen? It will prevail. So let's say this together. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Turn to somebody somebody and say it's pretty simple. Pretty simple. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, John's going to be taking his uh, equipment out up here. So uh, he's headed to Twin Lakes for a Christmas program this afternoon. And uh, John, I know you're going to do great. It's going to be a great afternoon. Amen. God will be glorified because Jesus is all over you. Hallelujah. We declare that over your life. They may sing Christmas carols, but Jesus will get in their heart. Hallelujah. How many of you know you can have fun and still receive what Jesus wants to do? <laughs> Some people think church, you got to go to church, you got to be sober. You can't, what well, you do, it helps if you're sober. <laughs> but I've told people, I, <laughs> I have one guy, you can ask him, Todd Marshall. He used to say, Pastor Pam, I just can't make it. I go, I'm sorry, I go out and I get drinking at night. And I said, well, come drunk. I don't care. Just come drunk, sit behind me. Nobody will know, just me. You know, when you breathe on me, I'll smell it. But I don't care, come drunk. You know, uh, people need to be free to be in the house of God, regardless of what they're doing, because the spirit of God, if it's in the house, will make a change. It's not the people that do it. It's the spirit of the Lord. Everybody say the spirit of the Lord. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That's what the word of God says. So um, you can bring your friends if they're in a condition that maybe you think you can't bring them anyway. Hallelujah. We're going to talk today about a light in the darkness. That's what the church is supposed to be, a light in the darkness. And you may be here today, and uh, maybe if you're younger, you don't think things seem to be so dark. But those of us who've lived longer know that things have certainly changed, and there's not as much light in the world as there is darkness. Even in the last few years, I was thinking today in my office, um, I bring my cell phone in so that if I need something, I just text them, and they get it in the back, and they fix whatever's going wrong. It used to be you had to get up and go out, you know, but now you just sit at your seat and text a little bit. Those phones weren't even thought of when I grew up. In fact, the other day, my sister said, um, do you remember our home phone number? I said, I don't remember that at all. She said it was only five numbers, and she spouted off our home phone number from 50 years ago. I couldn't believe that she could remember that phone number. I remember the address. How many of you know it's been a long time since some of us have been 15? <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, some we got in here that are just starting. Some are in the middle. A lot of them are over in the youth today enjoying a breakfast that Shane fixed for them. But whatever age we are, there is a world full of darkness, and we are the light. Everybody say, I am the light. If you know Jesus, the light is in you. Now, it may not be shining brightly. It may be flickering, but there is a light in you. And the word of God says that God deposited light in you through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in each one of us because of Calvary and what Jesus did. So today we're going to be talking about part two. Last week we talked about hope. And this week we're going to talk about peace. How many of you uh, would say I could use some more peace? in the situations that I'm facing. I think we all could say that. If you'll put up the scripture, Isaiah 9, we're going to look at this 9, 1 through 7. We're going to read all these scriptures today. Um, it covers last week and this week. It says, nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. This is talking about Israel. They've been in bondage. They've been in captivity. 
And now the prophet Isaiah is beginning to tell them about their future, not what's happened in the past, not where they are today, but where they're going. And as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Nathali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in the Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Everybody say that's Jesus. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Now, could you skip down to verse 6 for me, please? The light that shined over Galilee was Christ. And that's what the prophet is talking about. Now, it's not going to happen for many, many years. But the prophet always sees ahead. And the prophet gift uh, that God gives into the body of Christ can see things that none of the circumstances that people are living in look like that. And so when the prophet speaks, oftentimes people are like, well, that isn't really the way it is. But his words come out of the spirit of God and they are for a future, for a time that is unforeseen and maybe nothing around is going on that looks like that's going to happen. But what God says will happen will happen. How many of you believe that? What he says he will do. And so, it, and he goes on, he prophesies, for unto us a child is born. Now, this time Jesus was not born. This is just a prophetic word. Unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder. Now, you know, this isn't the government that we have uh, like Obama in charge of as our president. This is a government that God is in charge of. And Jesus is Lord. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords of that government. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace. Everybody say, and peace. There will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The Lord of hosts, of course, was the captain of the military. That was and that was Jesus himself. The Lord of hosts will perform this, not people. This is not something anybody's going to do. It's something that God will do through what Christ did on Calvary, and it will happen. It will come to pass. And so as we look into the new covenant, we see that that light that was spoken of in Isaiah uh, chapter 2 that would come and it would rest upon the people who lived in the shadow of death. In other words, without Christ, there was no hope, there was no life because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. So death prevailed in all of the world. And death still prevails in all of the world without Christ. That's a revelation that many people do not have. But death reigns if Jesus is not the Lord of someone's life and not the Savior of their life, death is reigning over them. They have no freedom from the penalty of sin, only through Christ. So when we look at Matthew chapter 4, it talks about this same scripture, and it says that Jesus is that light. Um, if you'd put up John twelve forty six, this is what Jesus said himself in, in the book of John. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Everybody say, I don't have to live in darkness. That means you don't have to be held captive by evil. That is a good word. You do not have to be held captive by evil. So when people say, well, I just can't get free. Everybody say, that is a lie. 
See, and, and Satan is the father of lies. He is the head of all evil, so to speak, as God is the head of all good. And so when those thoughts come, those are false. People can be delivered from drugs. People can be delivered from alcohol. People can be set free from every evil work of the enemy. That is truth. That is truth. And so uh, when my uncle was delivered from alcohol years ago, he would say to me, but when I go to my meetings, I have to say I'm an alcoholic. I said, just don't say it. Just don't say it because it's not true. Everybody say it's not true. God does not create alcoholics. Alcohol makes people alcoholics. But God's deliverance overrides that. And it is possible for all men to be free because the word of God says so. So when we look at the light and we look at the darkness, Jesus said, you will not have to abide in darkness if you believe in me. It didn't say if you go to church every Sunday. It didn't say if you do this, this, and this. It said if you believe in me. So just believing in Christ is liberating for all mankind. And so why does the devil hate it when people receive Christ? Because they have immediately received power to be free. Isn't that good news? We should all be cheering. Hallelujah. Thank God we are free. Amen. I thank God I am free. I've done some things, so I'm real grateful for this scriptures. John 3, 16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we know the rest of that, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. But it goes on to say in 17, he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. And the other thing it says is, but people would not receive the light because they loved darkness. So that's the reason people don't get saved. It's not because they don't believe in Jesus. It's because they love darkness more than they want the light. Everybody say that's truth. And so when we deal with truth, then we have the ability to bring that light and do something with what's going wrong. Um, I was looking at this scripture, Prince of Peace, because in my life, there were many seasons, even after I knew Christ, where I would have to say I, I didn't have peace. How many of you you know Jesus, but there are seasons of your life, things that happen in our lives that, sh- that shake us and bring us into a place of not having peace, so to speak, in the midst of the storm. But it's God who says, I have deposited in you the light, and in the light is peace. Because the word says he is our peace. It says in Luke 179, and this is actually... Um, Zachariah's account of his son, John, the Baptist, who was born, who would be the, the one who would prepare the way for Jesus. But then it goes on and he talks about who Jesus will be and what he will do. And it says about, he said about Jesus, he will give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. Did we not hear that just a few minutes ago? To guide our feet. Everybody look at your feet. Say feet. You're supposed to walk. In the way of peace. Why do I say it? Because that's the word. Everybody say that's the word. It says it again. God is so consistent. See, this is a quote of exactly what Isaiah said. Because in the spirit, God never changes his mind. He says what he means and he means what he says. And so he said, it will deliver you out of darkness and the shadow of death. That's what Jesus did. He brought the light. It also says about our feet here. Do you know it says in Ephesians 6 that part of the armor of God is to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of, the gospel of, the gospel of peace. Why? Because he is peace. 
That's who he is. And so peace is ours. Peace is mine. Peace is yours. Now, just like all the other things that God gives us, that's one of the fruit of the Spirit, uh, of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. How many of you know they're not always working full blast? You know, some days love is working really well from the Spirit. Other days love isn't working quite as well as it should be. Same with peace. But when we focus on what God has given us and not what we have, you know, uh, what we have in this world is not what we have in the kingdom. We have in the kingdom uh, everything that God promised in the word of God. In this life that we live, we sometimes have to fight for those things. We have to declare those things that we have according to the word of God. And so as I was looking at this, the peace that this is speaking of is a state of rest, quietness, and calmness, and absence of strife, and tranquility. Now, I'm sure that describes your life. When you got up today, that's just where you're living, right? That's where we're living today. Well, it may not be where you're living today, but you can live there because it's already been decided by by God himself. And uh, as I was thinking about this, you know, every day we have opportunity to make choices and circumstances and situations cannot uh, describe who we are or not determine who we are. It's the word of God that describes who we are. So when we get up and we, we see maybe our emotions aren't where they need to be, then we speak the word of God. Everybody say, speak the word of God. And we say, I am at peace because peace lives in me, not Oh, I don't know what to do. How many of you ever said, I just don't know what to do. I'm just, this, I'm in turmoil. I, one day I want to do this. Next day I think I should do this. I think I should do it. Everybody say confusion. That's what comes from a lack of, of peace, confusion. And people make unwise decisions in a place of confusion. Uh, there's a scripture that years ago, um, God just dropped in my heart. It's in Colossians, and it's chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. And I'm going to put it up on the screen in the Amplified because it really uh, gives a description of, of what peace is. It says, let the peace, everybody say soul harmony, which comes from Christ rule or act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind in that peaceful state to which as members of Christ, one body, you were also called to live and be thankful and appreciative, giving praise to God always. And then it says, let the word spoken by Christ, the Messiah have its home in your hearts and minds dwell in you in all its richness as you teach and admonish and train one another in all insight, intelligence, wisdom in spiritual things. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody to God with grace in your hearts. How many of you believe that might be a prescription for walking in peace? Uh, years ago, when I first heard that, there was this green dessert, and I, I make it today. And when I make it, our whole family, whenever we get together, they always want to know if I have the green dessert with me. It's just pistachio. It's not a big deal, but they all love it. Well, I ate that for the first time in 1979. I was at a friend's house, and she fixed that dessert. I thought, I said, this is wonderful. And and when I said that, for some reason, this scripture, let the word of God dwell richly in you. It was like, like the dessert. So, I, I'm just telling you, that's how it was. And so, I mean, it was, God will use anything to get his word in you. Whenever I see that green dessert, I think of this scripture. Because it's rich. 
but it's that's you need to have the word so in you that it's like that green dessert that you just can't wait to eat. Isn't that good? Um, yeah, I know y'all probably think I'm silly. First service, first service, this is true. I was preaching along, and uh, I can go all different directions at any time. The Lord knows that, so he has to help me a lot. But in the first service, I had dropped a jelly on me this morning. I knew it dropped a little glob of jelly, and I couldn't find it on me. Have you, and I had to preach. So I'm in my office looking all over myself, and I can't find it. So I'm out here preaching for a service, and I went like this to my necklace and stuck to my necklace. And I said, oh, I found my jelly. And they all looked at me. <laughs> that was in the middle of my message. <laughs> I said, oh, God, thank you for helping me. I didn't mean in my message, Lord, but here it is. I found the jelly. I'm fixed. I'm not sticking together anymore. <clears throat> but God uses lots of things that we can associate with to help us. Everybody say, help us. And, you know, I, I was in a, such a position in my life in 1979 that I, I didn't reason well. I didn't think well. I was in a desperate place. I, I was really uh, just, a, you know, a mess. And, and so God gave me something that I could associate with that would hold me in that position that the word of God has to dwell richly in me like that green dessert is so good and and it dwells in me richly when I eat it. So, you know, when we're thinking of peace, then the, the peace comes from the word. It comes from the rhema word or it comes from the spoken word. It comes from the written word. It comes from the life that the word of God gives a person. And so if we want to live in peace, then we're going to have to have the word prevailing in our heart at all times, whatever it is. Like for me, it's that scripture. And there's other scriptures that are like that, that God has associated those scriptures with me, with things that I can identify with. So when I hear it or I see it, boom, I think of that scripture or it brings peace to my heart. So when I get in a desperate situation, what do you think God's going to say to me? Green dessert. It may not hear richly or dwell richly, but green dessert. I might hear that just like other things he showed me. And with that comes assurance. Everybody say assurance. It gives me peace. For one thing, I know I'm hearing God. For number two, it's going to take care of me in my time of need. And that's what peace is about, is knowing that God is going to be there in the midst of your greatest need. It gives you peace. It gives you peace. Otherwise, we become anxious. We become upset. The word the Lord told me to pray for everybody today at the end for was turmoil. And when I looked up turmoil, it says a state of confusion, agitation, or commotion. Last night I was at my daughter's. I can't help. She's laughing. I stopped at my daughter's house and they were all home. Now they have a senior or a a freshman in college at Purdue. And then they have these two boys that are freshman and seventh grader in high school. And then they have a five-year-old who's a kindergartner. Now that just makes for confusion right off the bat because all of them live in a different world at those ages, you know? And so I go in there and everybody is, it was, it was just, it was confusion kind of, wouldn't you say? And at the end, Lori goes, mother, what are you? I was there for like 30 minutes. And I said, I got to go now. And she, <laughs> and Lori said to me, mother, what are you preaching? And I go, peace. She goes, oh, you doorknobs. We're going to be in the message. All of us. Look how you've acted tonight. <laughs> Well, this is kind of the opposite of peace, I would say. And I left. But, you know, how many of you know there's just times when things aren't peaceful? But peace is really not 
ruled by what's around you. It's ruled by what's in you. And so, you know, I, I enjoy it all. Now, my daughter and my son-in-law, they get pretty tired, I think, sometimes. But I enjoy all of that. It isn't confusion or commotion to me. It's just kids being who they are, you know. And that's just who they are at those ages. But I'm older. And, you know, when I was living in it, I could have shot them all when they acted like that. But now that I'm older, I have a little more peace in my life. Inwardly. Everybody say inwardly. It's in me. So they don't, it doesn't affect me like that. And I think that's what God wants us to live as we spiritually grow up in him. We become more peaceful and things don't rattle us to the point where we can't function. You know, at that time uh, in my life, back in 79, God gave me a scripture in 1 Peter 3, and it says, holy women of God, like Sarah, could call her husband Lord because she trusted God. Now, if you know the story of Abraham, he's always lifted up as, you know, the father of our faith, but he also gave his wife away twice. That's not so spiritual. I mean, he did. He gave her away twice because he thought he would be killed because she was too pretty. So who was he thinking about? Me, 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 me. But she still could call him Lord. Why? Because she trusted in God. And it said, and she didn't give way to hysterical fears. That scripture changed my life. You can call anything Lord as long as you trust in God. In other words, you can walk through things and not have to be concerned about it, even though it looks like it has power over you, as long as Jesus is who you put your trust in. And you can get to where you're going. And you're not hysterically fearful. You are at peace. Everybody say, thank God for peace. And so as I was preparing this message, it really ministers to me because this is where I've had to live my life over the years. And I've seen God be faithful to deliver me from the work of the enemy against me in that arena. Uh, Isaiah 26, 3 says, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed. Everybody say stayed, stayed on him. What does that mean? Well, the word stayed means to continue in one place, to stand fast, to not be wavering back and forth to remain steadfast and it's a soul peace everybody say a soul peace now it says in romans 8 and i want to put this scripture up it's in amplified it says soul peace comes from a different place than what's around you and even in your mind at times because sometimes your mind is not connected to what the spirit is saying your spirit man is never restless your spirit is always peace because you have the fruit of the spirit And one of those fruits is peace in you. And it says, now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death. And death that compromises all, comprises all the miseries arising from sin, both here and hereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit, everybody say Holy Spirit, Spirit. is life and soul peace both now and forever. When I uh, am asked to do a funeral, the, the, the verse I always give at the very end um, with, with situations is John fourteen twenty seven, My peace, God's peace, it says, peace I leave with you, my own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated, cowardly and unsettled. Isn't that a good scripture? So I, you know, my first question is, well, how do you get that kind of peace? Everybody say from the Holy Spirit. 
See, it's from what's inside. If you study that chapter, that whole chapter of John 14 is about from the very beginning. Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in me, you believe in the father. I go to prepare a place for you. And when it's prepared, I will bring you to myself. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. He goes on and talks about himself. And then he says, I am leaving, but I will not leave you orphans. I will give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will come and live in you, and he will be your comforter. He will be your guide. He will be your teacher. He will reveal me, it says in John 16. All of that is where you get soul peace. Everybody say soul peace. It isn't a peace that's going to come because you attend church. You can be here today, and you're in this service, and you say, I need that. You're not going to receive that and walk in that because you heard this message. You're going to receive that because you put the word of God in your heart. You hide it in your heart and you begin to let the Holy Spirit, everybody say the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, make your decisions. The Holy Spirit begins to guide you and teach you and lead you in the way of peace. And uh, I felt to give a couple of examples um, just before we close today. Um, Several years ago, it was probably 2006. Um, Pastor Bill had said to me in about 2005, I feel like uh, I want to give more of my time to the Sudan. I feel like that's what God's calling me to do. And, and I would like for you to pray about taking the role more of the senior pastor in preaching more. And I will preach less because I'll focus on the Sudan and even go there. And I said, oh, I'm not doing that uh, because uh, I'm going to retire. I'm going to be 60. I'm going to retire and I'm going to play with my grandkids. And, you know, I'm going to enjoy life now with apart from the i'll be in the church i'll help do things in the church my life is doing things for the lord but i'm gonna i'm gonna give more attention in time to my grandkids and playing with them and and so uh he he didn't say that's not very smart you should do what god says what i say he didn't say any of that and i i didn't even think any more about it but he began to to come at it a different way how many of you know there's a different way? God always finds a way to get to you. And so he began to say, well, why don't you just take a little more responsibility? Uh, you know, like you'll just preach maybe one time a month and, and you'll do these things and these things. And, and then, um, you know, we'll talk about it again next year. Well, I said, okay, I'll, I'll help you. I'll do whatever. And then I heard the Lord say, well, now you need to not take your pay anymore. I thought, no, I'm not going to get a check. How many of you know that's different? I'm going to help you and not get paid and do more. Everybody say reason. Thinking. I thought that, that's, that doesn't sound right to me. I mean, I'm an accountant, and that is not the way you do this. And I mean, I evaluate and do job descriptions and put the pay according, and I know that's not right. You want me to do more, and you're not going to give me any money. And, uh, and I, but I felt like the Lord really said to me, don't take your check anymore for a year. Now, I didn't have to have that check to survive. You, you know, you can get to a place in your life where you pay your bills and you got enough extra just to do. But that was the extra extra, you know, that said we can go to Florida or we can I can buy my grandkids stuff. I can do these extra things that I like to do. And for that year, I, I didn't take my check. But now I have to tell you, I had no peace up here. Zero peace. In fact, The first three checks of August that year, I took, but I couldn't cash them. 
I would go to the bank <laughs> to put my husband's check in, and I think I'll just go ahead. You know, maybe it isn't God. You know, I mean, it doesn't sound like God, really. Why would he, why would he decrease me and increase my workload? And I, that doesn't sound like God. And so I, I would try to talk myself out of what I had peace in here. But you know what would happen? Every time I get to that window to put that check in, I'd put his in. I couldn't put mine in. I, I had three checks before I finally said, saved up, just in case God changed his mind. <laughs> and that was really nice because they were adding up. I'd never had three add up before. You know, it got to be a bigger amount. But then I felt like the Lord said, tell them to void the checks. And so I did. Now, it, I, I don't, in my heart, after this fact, I do not believe it had anything to do with money. It had to do with if I was going to have more responsibility in leading people, God had to know that I would go with what he told me and where the peace was. And no matter how the ship rocked or what happened or who said what or money I didn't have to go to Florida or whatever it was, I would not let that change me off of what God told me to do, that I had peace in my heart. See, I never was, I was never not peaceful about doing it in my heart. That's what kept me from cashing the checks was my heart was not in agreement with my mind in that situation. You know, it wasn't about a year after that, that a lady came up to me and said, I feel like I'm supposed to uh, have a lease on a car for you and take care of you. And she has done that for seven years. This is my last lease, but she has done that for seven years. She has leased me a car, paid the insurance, and taken care of me totally in that area. Now, you know why that happened? Because God watched me for a year. And he knew that I, no matter how bad I wanted to have that extra, I would not do it because I didn't have peace. Everybody say peace. peace. See, it wasn't about me having things. Because, you know, I, I had a car. But God just wanted to let me know, hey, now that you're going to do this job, because the next year I did take over that position. And when I took over that position, she gave me a car and I drove that car. And then I had another car. She traded that one, got me another one and traded that one and got me another one. Everybody say peace. Now God's been speaking to me to do something that in the natural will actually cost us money. But God said to me, I think this is the time. Do it. This is the time. Do it. And I thought, right now, I'm supposed to do it? In six months, it won't make any difference. And he said, no, do it now. Do it now. And I'm thinking, but it's, now this is going to cost us. This is not like not getting what I had. Now it's going to cost. He said, do it. Why does God do that? Because God has things for you to do that are way beyond what you can do. And until you're in a position where you're not counting on what you can do instead of what God can do, you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer the world's hand ruling your life. That's what you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer not having the kingdom ruleship instead of the world ruleship over your life. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, any pro I'd like to be ruled by God more than I would this world system. I'm not going to be ruled by this world system because God has translated me out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's what it says. First Peter 2, 9, 10, read it. It says you were once in darkness, but you're not there anymore. You are in the light. That means you're in a different position and you can do what I give you to do. Now, is that, does that give me peace of mind? 
No, because I've told my husband, I've spoken to another person about it. My mind is wrestling like crazy because what I'm doing is letting go of a blessing and taking on what looks like an expense. But if I don't do it, then I won't be blessed even in the blessing. Does that make sense? Are you all with me today? See, God loves you so much that his plans are so much higher and so much better. But we have to make a choice. Are we going to live by this system or this system? There's peace like a river in Jesus. There's no peace in the world when you try to figure it out. Um, about a year ago, you know, uh, in the church here, there were some things that changed. And, uh, and God gave me a word. I was in Florida. It was, it was actually December 10th last year. I was in Florida with a friend. Her birthday's today, Bonnie Beetle. We were there together, and she's on her board. And uh, j- just some big changes. And... Uh, things that I kind of knew, but I needed a word. Everybody say a word. And when God gave me the word, uh, it was, um, set the course multiplication. And I, how many of you love multiplication? I mean, that sounds like increase. That'd be great. But then he began to speak to me, uh, mid course correction for multiplication. He gave me that word and I had no idea what all that would entail, how, how that would all play out. However, I had peace that God told me that. I had peace that what I had heard was God and that in it, in the very end of what he gave me, I wrote it all. I took it out of my journal today and put it here. Um, It was a restructure, a remodel, and um, it would limit how things were done. And again, I don't know why God does this. Just them thinking. He always talks to me, it seems, about food. (laughs) I don't know why, but I had been in this place where they, it was a restaurant, they were under remodel, and, uh, and they said, I went to order, and they said no, that we don't have any ranch dressing, and I thought, how could you not have ranch dressing? I mean, everybody eats ranch dressing. Uh, why would you not have that? Well, they were remodeling the place, and the menu was set up so that they could have a limited number of items to make things, and they all were compatible with one another, and the kitchen they were using was a portable kitchen. It was much smaller than what they normally had, so they had to eliminate some things in order to do what they were doing while they were doing the remodel. And so ranch dressing wasn't needed on these things. There were other dressings, but not ranch. Now, how many of you know ranch is probably the most popular dressing? (laughs) Except for those of you that eat blue cheese. (laughs) You know? And so, (laughs) sorry. But anyway, so that's my husband, blue cheese. And so, ooh, anyway... um, so, I, but, but what he spoke to me in this word was mid-course correction for multiplication. And immediately he said, no ranch dressing. And he said, now let me tell you how it's going to be. It's going to be like that restaurant. There's going to be a remodel. There's going to be some restructuring. And these are the things you're supposed to do. And I will see to it that I accomplish what I want to in the process. Now, I want to tell you, that has not been a very peaceful thing for me in my head. Has not been a peaceful thing for a year in my head. But in my spirit, every time I get where my head is really whirling, if I go back and read this word, I'm fine. I'm at peace. Why? Because God said. Now, what God does works in so many different arenas that what we have to be responsible for is obedience to what God tells us is our part. We're not responsible for everybody else's part. We're responsible for our part because what God asked us to do could set in motion everything God wants to do in somebody else. I know this from my nephew. A year ago, in the middle of all this, we felt to bring my nephew home from Denver. 
And this is the last story I'm going to tell you. But we brought him home. He, he's been caught up in the drug scene, and he's had a lot of opportunities to get it right. How many of you know some people that have had a lot of... And, and you know, after a while, you think, well, forget it. You know, they're just not going to get it. But uh, Pastor Bill and I, we heard God say, bring him home. Now, that involved a, a, a fairly large cost of money. It required time for my husband, lawyers, things we had to do we have never done before, talking to district attorneys, go, flying to Denver twice, uh, waiting, getting him out of jail, bringing him home, clothing, getting him a job, all these things that we were doing. Now, we had some people who called us even and said to us, you are enabling him. You are doing the wrong thing. I mean, and not in a nice way. I mean, it wasn't like, did you ever consider that you might? No. It was, you are an enabler. You're da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, we didn't really get angry with those people because they didn't hear God. We did. And in the natural, it would look like we were doing that because he had had many opportunities. Everybody say many. So he had many opportunities to change. And, but this, for us, was what God said for us to do. So we did it. We brought him home in the middle of all this other stuff that was happening. He was home with us. We got him a job, got him the counselor that he needed. God, just, we didn't do it. God did it all. And, and he stayed with us. I mean, even, even to smoking, he, he still smoked. And I was a smoker once. So I had compassion. Bill said he's not, he doesn't need to smoke. I said, honey, let him smoke it. You just don't know it. You just got to have the cigarettes. And so... And so he'd stand outside the door and smoke out back. He would never smoke in the house, but he'd go outside. And he would always say, well, you went out there to freeze your off again, you know? And, um, and so he would, literally, he would say that. And so, you know, so I would say, it's okay, it's okay, let him smoke. And so, um, you know, God, it, this is the truth. I'm just telling you the whole story. At Christmas, it was time to buy him a present. And I said to Bill, I think I'm supposed to buy him a carton of cigarettes because it's $50, and he doesn't have $50. And I know that sounds dumb, but I feel like that's what God told me to do. Buy him what will bless him. I thought it's going to kill him. But in him, when he saw that money, I didn't get out to get the cigarettes in time. And I did think, well, what if somebody from the church sees me buying cigarettes, a carton of them? You know, they probably think I'm smoking on the side. But... But I'm not, because it nearly killed me. But uh, And God helped me quit a long time ago. But But... I did that, and his little eyes, when I gave him that, it was like, you, you love me. You love me. I could feel it. And he gave me a little precious moments man, all dressed up in a tuxedo that I keep right in front of my TV. Because two weeks later, he packed up everything and said, I got to go back, and went right back into all that. And today, he's in jail. He called last night. Now, we haven't felt to do anything this time. But we talk to him and we pray with him. We tell him we love him. But we did not do wrong. Because God said to me, when he gave me the little figuring on the bottom, it says, we have a special kind of love. He gave me that. It's got a little guy, a top cat, and he's got a deck of cards in his hand. The night he came home for the first night, he, I said, what do you do in jail? He said, I play cards. I said, oh, good, teach me. I thought, oh, God, I don't want to play. I mean, I don't want to play cards, really. But I felt like God said, play cards with him. So I learned how to play cards like they do in jail. And it's, it's pretty crazy, really. It's a little, a little crazy. 
but I know how to do it now. And uh, no, I'm not going there, but, you know, I hope in Jesus' name, God, don't ever let me get to jail. Uh, no, my nephew, Rodney, he'd come get me out. He's a, he's a deputy. He's not a deputy anymore. He works for the Purdue police. But anyway, I just say this to you to say God is love. God is mercy. God is peace. God is grace. And, and, and we're, not, we're not doing anything this time because God said don't do anything yet. A year ago, we did everything. This time he says, don't do anything yet. But do you know the people who said, you, you shouldn't be doing that? Or that when, when, it, when he left, they called us up and said, told you so, told you so, told you so. How many of you know that the enemy loves to make it look like he won? But he didn't. Because I have that little monument thing, that little precious moments. And he knows the love of God. And when he left, God said to me, because I asked the Lord, and he said, he knows love that he can now never get away from. That's what he found. And he will never get away from it. No jail can take that out of him. It's going to produce fruit in Jesus' name. And I have peace. We have never even thought about the money we spent. Other people have reminded us. (laughs) But it doesn't matter. It wasn't ever our money anyway. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are the light of the world. And there is a world dying and going to hell. And there are Christians who are slipping into hell because of their choices and leaving God and running off. It's time to light up, people. Amen? Let's stand. Father, I thank you for every person here today. I thank you for the love of God. I thank you for the light that you've put within each one of us especially those that are here today. And I, and I want to pray for three things. First, I want to pray for you. And if you're here and you're a believer, would you just agree with me that anybody here today who doesn't know Jesus, who maybe has walked with Jesus and left the things of God because of disappointments, hurts, failures, things people have done to them, or maybe, you know, those that are here that have never, ever had anybody say, you know, Jesus is the answer for everything that's happening in your life. And he will make a difference that no man can make. And it will be permanent. It won't be for a season. It'll be forever. Because when he comes in, he comes in. And he lives in you forever. The only choice that will ever change your direction is yours. And if that's you today and you're here and that's you and you want to receive Jesus. Or you want to come back to him. We're all praying right now that anybody here who's in that position won't leave here the way they came in Jesus' name. Because... The hopelessness of the world will kill you, but the love of God will deliver you and rescue you. If that's you today and you're here and you say, I I need to come back home to Jesus or I I need to make that decision today because I've not made it and I need help. If that's you, would you lift your hand? I want to pray for you. We're going to pray for you first before we pray for, for other things. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's just make this confession today. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he made a decision to love me before I was. I ask you today to forgive all my sins and help me to live the life that you created me to live, that you would be glorified that you would be a light shining through my life that others might see 
and give glory to Jesus, that you would be glorified and magnified in all that I do, all that I say, in every arena you put me in, they would see light and darkness would be dispelled in Jesus' name. Now, I want to pray secondly today for those of you who have loved ones that are not walking where they need to walk in that light. And they are in a position of danger. They are in a position of trouble. Would you lift your hand? I want to pray for your relatives. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.